Podcast fam! In today's episode, we have the privilege of bringing you Justin D of Teradata Unmanned. Justin has been involved in the unmanned systems industry since being introduced to the technology while serving in the Army with the 1st Cavalry Division. After working in the industry on five continents for multiple government, military, and commercial clients, he decided to take a chance and start his own company out of the garage of his home. Teradata Unmanned has grown out of the garage and into a hangar in a small airfield outside of Gainesville. The company has since participated in consulting and service work in six U.S. states and three foreign countries in the last three years and continues to grow as they are entrusted by gas and oil companies, mining companies, U.S. military units, engineering firms, and construction organizations to solve some of the most complex unmanned and remote sensing challenges. This episode is absolutely fascinating. Enjoy. You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa! <laughs> what? I'm just, no, it's me. <laughs> you, you threw me off there. Uh, I'm you your host, me. Colin Austin, and my co-host is Michael Dees. That's right. What's up, man? How are you? I'm I'm good. Assuming so, so we like to do the flashback in Florida football, and this episode releases on November 16th. Right. So happy November to everybody. Um, <laughs> that means that we just beat Felipe Franks and the Arkansas Razorbacks this weekend. Hopefully, which is a little awkward, but you know. And then, then last week we beat Georgia. Like that was great. It's always fun doing these little predictions. I don't. Right. You know, like when we record and we'll see what happens. You don't, and you don't even know if the game will actually happen because then like some COVID spike will ruin everything. You just don't. You just don't know in 2020. Uh, well, I hope everybody had a great Veterans Day last week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just wanted to give much love to our veterans. Thank you, uh, all those who have served served in the armed forces. We're just so grateful for your service, and uh, I'm excited to bring you a very special episode today. But before we do, let's talk quickly about how the coronavirus has impacted your business. It's affected everybody's yeah. business. Who's hasn't it? <laughs> uh, maybe you realize that you need a different kind of office space, or you have questions about your lease options, or maybe you've been thinking about buying or selling a commercial property but you're not sure when to act, call the GNV Commercial Advisors team at Collier's International. They have the expertise and local experience to help you make the right decision for your commercial real estate needs. Check out their services at collier's.com slash Gainesville. They're the best. They're the best. We appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. You ready to go? I'm excited. Yeah, let's go. You ready to go? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's ready. You guys, today on the show, we have Justin D., founder and COO of Teradata Unmanned, a company based near Gainesville, operating nationwide and worldwide, specializing in providing unmanned remote sensing services. I have no idea what that really means, but I'm excited. <laughs> still I'm excited to find out. Justin, what's up, man? What's going on, Welcome brother? Welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. So yeah, man. So you, so you know, you you know what we like to do. We like to throw it back, kind of hear the story, hear how mm. this came to be. Sure. And, and we want to know what unmanned remote censoring services is. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so yeah, man. Tell us what we tell us what you do. Yeah. So uh, the or, my company basically has two sides to it. One side is the remote sensing services, which is a lot of mapping. F- photogrammetry is a good word. Um, and in essence, what we do is we'll fly over a site that the customer needs information regarding. Um, we did one today, which was a South Florida water management district uh, area that they're going to be putting in new pump stations. So they already have survey work from licensed land surveyors uh, regarding the elevations, the contour lines is what we call them, uh, regarding the site in which they're going to be working on. Um, this is incredibly important information for them in the development of a new, of a new site. So, um, we take data from the aircraft, which is general, generally speaking, um, standard DSLR type photographs. We merge the GPS information from the aircraft as it was taking those pictures with those uh, pictures. We then put it in specialized software, and from there we're able to recreate their location three-dimensionally. And from that, and importing what we call ground control points, which is which are visual points on the ground that a land surveyor took coordinates of for us, we can uh, achieve incredible incredible accuracies that to, to a point where our data becomes critical in the development of these projects. So 
construction companies, mines, uh, companies that sell ornamental rock, asphalt companies, um, all, all types of companies need us because once we recreate their site in 3D, now I can give them volume calculations um, or take uh, acreage, uh, two, you know, 2D acreage uh, measurements for mines where they're eroding away at the surface that they're allowed to, to mine sand from. When I say mines, I'm talking about sand and here in Florida, sand shell. Um, and then the other side of what we do is consulting. So we've been hired by a gas and oil company here in the US to stand up a drone program for them uh, overseas for uh, mining exploration. We've been uh, contracted to participate in counter drone testing um, as subject matter experts. We've been contracted to uh, secure airspace at Kennedy Space Center, where we worked on a project for the Navy with an engineering firm. And we, the airspace that we secured was actually this shuttle landing facility where the shuttles land, the runway the shuttles land on uh, when they come back from space and land at Kennedy. So there's the consulting side, there's the services side. Everyone wears many hats because we're a small team and it's the experts doing, it's the experts on my team doing both the consulting and the service work. Service work, generally speaking, is quite um, regional. Uh, southeast, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia. That's generally the area we work in. Okay, now I'm super fascinated to find out how the heck you got into this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a so, long story. Yeah, yeah. so like let's let's th let's throw it back to that, man. I want to kind of hear how uh, okay, you ended so, up in this uh in this industry and, right. and so, starting your own business doing this. Okay. So, not originally from Gainesville, originally from the Illinois uh, Wisconsin border, nor north of Chicago. Um, moved to Florida for high school down near Tampa. After that, returned to Illinois. Did, had a couple jobs, and it was time where I wanted to go to school, uh, go to college. And with uh, my, my situation, um, my parents' situation, I wasn't in a position where I could qualify for much aid. So I decided that I was gonna join the military. Uh, Air Force was the target, and I went in, took the ASVAB for them, went through the process. And I wanted to be a computer networking technician because computers just seem like a logical direction to, to go. Excuse me. And um, that's when my father, who was a Vietnam vet, said, uh, don't, don't go Air Force, go Army, do something really exciting and fun. You're young, you're 19 years old. What, and the Air Force is not fun yeah, and exciting? Not as a computer networking technician. Okay. I think that's what, I think. <laughs> I'm like, yo, my dad was in the Air Force, what do you say? I think, I think, because he said, you know, do something fun, and if you want to reclass, reclass to a different job, you can do that, you can just get out. Just do something that's, you know, adventurous. So I went and I became an uh, Abrams tank crewman. So I started as a loader on an M1 Abrams tank. Um, Went through training, went to Korea for a year and a half, came back, went to Iraq, or went to Fort Hood, Texas, went to Iraq for a year, came back, was training up for the next deployment to Iraq, and they said, hey, Sergeant D, would you be interested in going to the U.S. Army Small Unmanned Aircraft Systems School? And I said, what's that? And they said, you know, the Raven, the small aircraft that, that we use. We hadn't had one at this time. And I said, yeah. They're like, yeah, do you want to go? You and Sergeant Gerwitz. I said, we're great friends. Let's go. So we went and we trained. Um, the, the school came to us at Fort Hood and we trained. Then we went to California and trained. And we went to Iraq. Excuse me. <laughs> when we went to Iraq, what ended up happening was our unit wanted to use these aircraft heavily because we were now in this deployment kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So my experience was just... I mean, the amount of experience I got flying this thing in incredibly challenging environments was invaluable. What does that What does that aircraft do? So it's a small aircraft, uh, between three and four foot wingspan. Um, you can it's hand launched. It just lands on the ground, skid landing. Um, it's got cameras on board, so we can like use how, it. How big is it, real quick? Like, is it like it's is, a fixed wing, like an it's a fixed wing, like an airplane. So. Um, its wing is is it's is about three and a half feet or so long, and then the uh, fuselage and the tail is probably about a little over two thirds that length. Okay. So it's not very large. Uh, it's not very large. You launch it with one hand, um, and and it's got a couple different cameras on board, and it allows us, generally speaking, the way we like to use it was if we're going to go to an area, we send it over. 
at a high at a high high altitude, um, some many hundreds of feet or or a bit more, and uh, just kind of do a circle over that location, uh, observing and tr- taking note of the situation. Um, so I went through that, and during that deployment, I hurt my back. So I had to leave Iraq and came back to the states, and I had three back surgeries. Once that was complete, the army was like, "Do you want to try to get a waiver, and you could, you know, uh, do a more of an admin job, or do you just want out?" And I was like, "I'll, I'll go. I'm, I'm not interested in the admin job, really." So I, I waived that, and I left after seven years. And I went to a. Like what year was this? 2013 was when I left. Okay. So in uh, that same year, I went to a program at Temple College in Texas called Subsea Robotics. It's, uh, it's a program, I forget how many months it is, but it, it basically trains people for large gas and oil companies to go offshore and pilot underwater robots. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I was fascinated with the Titanic and they used these two robots, Alvin one and Alvin two. And so I was just fascinated with that. So I w- used some of my GI Bill, um, because I was, I was going to school in Iraq as well online, but when I got out, I used some of my GI Bill to go to this course. Um, at the conclusion of the course, I found that I couldn't pass the physical because of the me- I have metal in my back. So I, I couldn't pass the physical, so I was like, well, now what am I gonna do? So I went to Houston, Texas. Uh, I moved back down near Tampa with family because I was gonna go through interviews, and I went to Houston, and this is when I found out I couldn't pass the physicals, and I started weaseling my way into these gas and oil companies, uh, calling ahead, just getting the name of somebody, saying I'm gonna uh, drop off a hard copy resume, if that's cool. I already sent you my digital one, but I'm in the neighborhood. So then I had a name, so when I got up to the parking lot and security was there, I would just give them the name and say I had a meeting with the person, and they were like, oh, that name, you were dropping something off? Okay. And they let me in the building, and then generally that person was in HR or the secretary for HR, so that was going well, but I couldn't pass the physical because of the metal. It was like an automatic disqualifier because of my injury. So I ended up going online in Houston, Texas, in... Um, on my desktop computer that I took with me. And I found this company in Gainesville, Florida (laughs) that was hiring for a drone operator for some military projects that they had. And Raven experience was a plus. Um, So I called them, I sent my my resume and then I called them and this girl Ashley answers the phone and I said, hi, my name's Justin D. I want, you know, I have my resume. Can I swing in in the morning? I'll be in the area. Um, I'm gonna, I'd like to hand off of a physical resume. She said, yeah, sure, whatever, that's fine. So I packed up the desktop, got my luggage, got in the car, drove through the night. This was afternoon sometime. Drove through the night to to Gainesville at the intersection of University and 34th. There's a gas station on one corner next to a UPS store. Mm -hmm. So I took my book of certificates and awards from the military and whatnot, and I took them into, I, I went inside the UPS store. I said, I need five nice little binded pamphlets, all this stuff. Resume is, is the front. I'm gonna go next door got the key to the bathroom, went inside, washed my face, put on a different shirt, threw on some deodorant, brushed my teeth, and then drove down, walked inside, got a little tour, handed them the booklets. When the tour was over, the basically the COO was like, when can you come in for, uh, for, for, a, for a, a meeting? Um, and then we'll see if, you know, I wanna talk to you a little bit, then we'll see if we'll, we'll do a formal interview. And I said, okay, so I came in a few days later, they didn't. They just bypassed the interview. I was hired. Worked there for uh, four, four, four years. Ended up becoming their director of flight operations. Traveled to Pakistan, the Galapagos Islands, Australia. I was all over the world. Uh, I wrote their uh, training program. Was training people all over the world. I talked to some of the guys, a couple of people that had been laid off from there, and a couple of people that were you know, basically the, their names were on the wall, if you will. Um, and I said, "Let's, you know, we've been working together all over the world. We have a level of field experience and and connection, the team that translates into a level of efficiency. That let's give it a shot." So me and one of them, who turned out 
to leave after one year, and that was a little bit messy. But at the end of the day, we started with $30,000, um, bought some old equipment from somebody we had worked with once, rebuilt that equipment because it had crashed. We were in my garage, and then a spare bedroom was like the office. And started the company in late 2017, and here I am. We're doing quite well. We're, we have a small aircraft uh, hangar that we operate out of uh, just outside Gainesville, and we've been outside the country, all over the states, so it's been fun. Yeah, so, I mean, tell me a little bit, like, where are these clients coming from? If you're getting people from, you know, out of the country or even out of state or whatever, like, how are they, how are they finding you? How do they know this of this service, I guess? I haven't crunched the numbers because, as you can tell, we don't have a big social media presence, which we're, we're going to get to for sure. But um, um, the I haven't crunched the numbers, but the vast majority of our work is referrals. The vast majority of our work is, for, is from referrals. I, uh I would say maybe our three top clients in terms of volume are all three are from referrals. Okay. Basically referrals, interview process. Hey, we have this problem um, that, especially on the consulting side, the consulting side, the, on the mining and aggregate side, we have some really core clients there. And then there's some more random requests from different companies, generally, generally smaller um, construction companies. But on the consulting side, the vast majority is referrals. Um, you know, people see something I put on LinkedIn, or they talk to somebody I worked with at one time. A lot of a lot of my former colleagues are working now at different universities, different gov government agencies, like Department of Interior, things like that. Uh, that that does a lot of uh, of mapping. Uh, a lot of aerial mapping out west. Um, I know people that have started companies that manufacture aircraft. Um, so it, it's the net. It's not a. Ma it's not a massive industry. It's 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 uh, easy to burn a bridge in this industry, and um, the imposters are quickly figured out they're, they're, they're had, if you will. It doesn't take long when, when a customer asks you to do something and, and you throw in um, really poor environmental, con, con, uh, environmental conditions, you have um, a, a really tight timeline, maybe they want some kind of a customization or a different type of camera integ integrated into the system that they want us to use. So now we have to quantify that performance in different wind conditions, different density altitudes, what the altitude that the that the aircraft is feeling, uh, which these things reduce their endurance, they re it reduces their lift capability. And so we have to foreshadow those catastrophes before they happen. And without a, a lot of experience, you're not, you're not going to do that. Um, not to mention, we also build our own systems. We do use a couple systems that are gas powered. Uh, they have two stroke engines on them, quite large, um, that we did not manufacture them, but we've integrated different sensors into them and things like that for mapping purposes. Um, but other than that, the aircraft we use, we, we buy the components, we assemble them, we program them, we 3D print the parts, we machine the aluminum or the carbon fiber, whatever it is, um, depending on the application. And so we're in control of a lot of our destiny. Um, and that translates well into customer, or into a customer experience. I have so many questions. <laughs> uh, so, all right, how sizable are these Sorry, jobs? Sorry, I'm just droning on. No, no, it's good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like fascinated because like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, like somebody's hiring you. Mm -hmm. like, like how big of a job is that? How much revenue does that generate for your company? Is it all over the place based on their needs? Is oh, it there? It's is, certainly all over the place. So I would say um, a job, a job that would take, let's assume that I'm not doing- Is there so, an average job? Like if I was like, what's the average yeah, job? Yeah, How so much? I, what I would say is like on the services side, a, a what I would call a day rate, something where I'm coming to your site, there's no super wild curveballs. You've let me look at the leather, weather, make recommendations based off the forecast and the prog charts. Um, it's just very straightforward. Generally speaking, keep in mind, this doesn't include just going up and taking pretty pictures. Anybody can go to Best Buy and accomplish that. Um, but we're talking about data processing afterwards. Everything included, 
uh, our day rate averages or not averages, but ranges anywhere between a thousand and thirty five hundred okay. or so. Um, but things on the consulting side are quite different. We have customers that we charge an hourly rate um, that we negotiate. We have uh, customers that pay us a lump sum fee plus any additional negotiated costs for say three days, four days, five days. Generally speaking, when we work with engineering firms, we work with one here in town. There's a few others we work with. When we work with them, generally speaking, it's what is the task? What is the timeline? What is the complexity, et cetera, et cetera. And then that, I have kind of a formula, if you will, uh, that boils that down into a cost. And um, most often things are going, going to be priced by the day or the event. So if you're telling me you need me to come to a location on a Sunday in Oregon, and you want me to leave the following Saturday, and this is what needs to be accomplished during that time and we work out all the specifics, I'm, I'm just going to price that as a as an event. And those, and the, and those prices, range, they range so, so much. Um, the first job we ever had was for somewhere in the neighborhood of $25,000 and it was for three days at, um, but it was, but there was many days prior where we had to integrate um, a, a type of sensor that the engineering firm wanted to test at Kennedy Space Center. So we had to be very uh, sure of ourselves that we were up to that task. It was the first job we had ever had. It, it was it was a referral. Um, I had already locked in some service work for some months uh, coming up. Uh, we're talking, this was January or February, and I had locked in some stuff for like April, May. Um, you know, this was, brand new, out of my garage, just waiting for this to absolutely not work. Um, I just, but just kept trying and trying and trying and trying, and it, it just did, but uh, but it really does range. Like I said, I have customers that call me to a site, and it could be possibly in the hundreds. Uh, those that those jobs do exist if it's not a far drive, and, and the weather's perfect, and I can you know also use that data to kind of do a test f with my post-processing it's a bit nuanced in, in how things are priced because there's a lot of uh, back scratching as well. And sometimes a, a client, what I would call a client, is really what they are is another company that's just in the industry and we're just kind of helping each other out. They have some equipment that they don't want and I don't want to pay a lot for it, but they're, you know, so there's a lot of changing of hands. And so I'd call them a client, but a lot of times it's it might be just helping each other with a problem and trading service for that. Is uh like the the jobs that you guys have? I mean, does it require the the work of the entire team on that one job, or is it like because how many people do you have? Five of us, and we're bringing on a sixth right now. All right, so if you have six people, like mm -hmm. are all six people working on different things, or it depends. Uh, if there's a very complex uh, operation, let's say the customer says, "Listen, basically they're utilizing all aspects of my company. Hey, uh, we want you to integrate this sensor, and then I determine that sensor requires some machining of aluminum or carbon." I don't even fiber. understand what this means. What is, okay, so <laughs> it, are you following this? I'm, a little go, bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, like I mean, the integration of a sensor. Yeah. What is okay. Like, yeah. Absolutely. So like, a special camera, or okay. A, so like it's like, hey, I want to use this particular camera yes, on exactly. the aircraft yes yes I have my engineers have determined that what we're trying to see is only achievable from from the air with this very specific sensor so let's say it's multi-spectral right it's able to see vegetation health now they don't they don't have a drone program they don't uh, maybe down the road they will maybe they're not interested in that but at the end of the day they need this very specific camera put on an aircraft and flown in a very specific way. How high, how many pick, how much the data overlaps. Um, and because they're trying to get a specific, a very set specific of data. Yep. A, a very, a very, I, I can make, give you a great example. Uh, we did some work for the Florida department of environmental protection and they were looking for an invasive uh, plant called the Brazilian pepper. And they had a very good idea how they would be able to identify it from the air, but they didn't want to send people to get the licenses. They didn't want to figure out how to fly and get people to train to fly. They just wanted to contract someone to 
fly this very important camera to collect data in a very specific way so that they could then analyze it after the fact, find where those Brazilian pepper trees were located, go out and kill them. Basically uproot them because of how deadly they are. I'm sorry, how how um, negative they are for, yeah, negative they so are a little for like, other. Go take some pictures so we can find this plant. Yeah, exactly. How, and how much does that cost? <laughs> uh, I, I don't get too specific, but let, for example, that project went on for um, weeks. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah, because they needed us to do testing, but they didn't have a Brazilian pepper plant for me. So we had to drive down near Crystal River, find one, <laughs> uproot it, take it to a field, plant it, keep it alive for a while, and then do testing to determine exactly where within the multispectral uh, sensor band we would be able to pick it up to prove their thesis correct. And then from there, they looked at our testing and went, wow, that this actually might work. And now we went out and um, you know, we had to throw we had to throw plants at it that weren't Brazilian peppers. See, what, what was the unique signature of this plant? In, in what way did it, does it show it? Does it manifest itself in in certain different, you know, in thermal or standard camera? You know, does it is the canopy of this plant a lighter green than the generally speaking of the uh, native plants? So there's a lot of testing that goes into that, and then at the end of the day, we have to execute that in the field. So there's the testing and proving the concept, and then going out to the field on airboats in this case, taking off and mapping these different islands, and then assisting with their experts analyzing the, the the data to see if in fact this is information they can action on and go and kill this plant this sounds like a giant adventure to me yeah like so, I, I, i'm like i'm like let's go i'm all about when it. you're doing career day and then high school they don't tell you that this is an option <laughs> that's right you should be at career days but it, it's very like it's fun. very we, we do not be we, we are not attempting to become experts in plants we are not right. attempting to become experts in uh, livestock, but when someone has a problem and it can be solved effectively, efficiently, especially cost effectively from with a drone, you're taking the human out of it. So even if this is a rancher that needs to drive and walk his land to count cattle, there is a hazard with him being out there mm -hmm. solo, assuming he is, mm -hmm. she is, whomever it is. Is it difficult for you to create an estimate like a like i'm hearing this and i'm like like from like a scope of work standpoint <laughs> yes, are you like work. you know it's gonna be like somewhere between five thousand and fifty thousand no, dollars no no <laughs> i mean no. i mean just hearing that yeah, like yeah. all the like nuances no. of what happened in that, that particular instance i'm like dude this sounds like it's all over that, the place. And, and, and that's the other thing is customer service so once we take on a project and the weather turns and all of a sudden they start ripping up roads or bridges where we're supposed to be traveling through to get to places, we solve those problems. That's not the customer's problem. That's Once we take on the project, that's our problem. So these are just variables Within that you're like, reason. we take on these variables, okay. Within reason, you know, I'm not giving these customers a, a, a But if you're check. like, oh, now I gotta like rent an airboat to get like, I mean. Yeah, well, generally speaking, those, those my, my team is so incredibly efficient and, Tact, uh, tactically sound, if you will, strategically sound in preparation and what what have you. What we call mobilization. It's a really cool word. Is um, are these all military people or is it just yeah, you? Is mostly? Okay. <laughs> I bet that's fun. Yeah, oh, it's it's people. um. It, it reminds me of the good old days. Happy Veterans <laughs> yeah, Day. Yeah. All the veterans. Yeah. Um, but when we first started the company, that was incredibly difficult to figure out because uh, certainly no competitors were going to give me that information. And the drone industry is incredibly inflated. When you go online and you look at the reported numbers of what the industry value is, um, what the average salary for this or that is, it's incredibly inflated unless you're working for like the big top government um, um, contractors, which even then it may be not be the case. So anyways, um, it, it does pay well. Um, it, my big thing with my company is cash flow. I want to have cash on hand. Mm -hmm. um, we just, with coronavirus, great example of it, uh, regardless of PPP and whatnot, it, we, we see what's going on. So with that being said, um, uh, most of what I generate, I put back into the company. 
So um, in terms of what do we you know make a year, that's incredibly hard to say because constantly money's going right back in as we're growing. Like I said, in late 2007. All right, so how much do you make in a year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love doing that to Yeah, people. yeah, yeah. I love doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but we have consistently grown in, in, in what our customers will give us for responsibility, how much money we've made. We are, we are each year m doubling in aircraft, uh, people. How many, how many aircrafts do you have? Right now, one, two, uh, four, six, eight, uh, 11. I want to say 11. Okay. And we have one, a new version of the aircraft we use for our own services that we're in the process of putting the finishing touches on. So that's pretty exciting. We're, we're using some new battery technology. It's not new technology per se, but to the consumer at our level, absolutely new technology. So um, that's been rendering some incredible results. All right. Sorry, so you were talking about like cash on hand, mm -hmm. like, I mean, the importance of, I mean, did you guys get super impacted from coronavirus? I mean, so at first it actually helped us. We had an, a client overseas that was, that had a project with the US, with two US companies out in Arizona, and they could not afford with their other responsibilities to send personnel here to the States, and when they returned, have to go on 14 days quarantine. So that was a project they asked us to quote them. So, you know, based off the scope of the work, travel, cost, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we gave them a price. They agreed. We went out there and it was an excellent trip, but very challenging logistically in terms of flying. That was a really big problem. Uh, we had actually got stuck out there for a couple extra days uh, before being able to return. Um, and then shortly after that, I would say about May, June, that's when we really started to feel it. Felt that pretty good through, I'd say, early August, uh, late July, early August. So it was only a few months. It wasn't really bad, but it was, it was significant. I mean, work just went to the floor. Uh, everyone was hitting pause. The mining companies were freaking out. They didn't know what was going to happen. Construction companies were, there was, there was some, some timelines that were shifted, you could say. Um, so that really impacted us. And then, uh, it was, it was almost as if a switch was flipped, um, around August, as I said. And so things are going quite well right now. Obviously there's challenges with COVID. There continues to be challenges regardless of in what state we're in right now. Um, but so far, so good as far as, as far as coming into the fall. Do you have to have like a lot of like buffers between these jobs? <laughs> because like, I'm just hearing you in say like, oh world. man, like man, I just had like, we had to stay an extra couple days. Mm -hmm. I mean, like how close are your jobs together? I mean, where you go from one job to the next. Sometimes they're every other day. Sometimes they're daily. They can be they all- can get from Houston to Tampa in like one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I will say, and, and it's not a product of, you know, just a bunch of coffee. Like we, if we, when we don't have, when we do not have jobs where we have to travel and we just got done with a two week rally of work, um, we cut back a little bit. We relax just a little bit. You know, we don't go stand in the field in the direct sunlight all day doing testing. We, 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 with the military experience, we understand that. We understand burnout. We understand how to manage your time and your, your, your nutrients, if you will, out there in the field. So um, there's that, but also we all, we're just very good at planning. We are incredibly good at planning. Um, we're preventative with everything. Um, one of our, one of my team members is a former aircraft AMP mechanic and he is a master mechanic. So work vehicles, no problem. They, about scooters scooters yeah it, i don't know how functional it would be i mean it Fine, might work I mean, so you need like a side job maybe, maybe on scooters maybe we, like, we need help here yeah, right here, right right no he's an incredible mechanic absolutely incredible mechanic and um so knock on wood we we, <laughs> we don't generally have mechanical problems and there's a plan for everything we truly believe and i say this a lot but it just holds so much truth one is none two is one so whether it's an aircraft, batteries, tools, um, other than the vehicle you're riding in, maintenance, um, we have backups of everything. And okay. then scheduling, we do it the same way. We schedule our people out. There is, just to be clear, there are a, a few contractors that I use at times. If it's really heavy, these are people that I've 
selected. They've gone through our training program that we use internally. And um, I can call on them if needed, if they're available and not doing other work. They just, they, they own photography companies. They got into drone work. They ended up wanting some side work. So I was like, well, this is great. You're out of Orlando. Come up, we'll do some training and we'll agree on a rate. And I put them through all the appropriate training because for us to go on mines, we have to go through mine safety and hazard awareness training every year. To fly the drones commercially, we have to go get a, uh, we have to go to Gainesville airport and renew our FAA licenses every two years. Um, you know, we came from the time when you actually, we had to go back in 2015 down to Apopka and get our manned pilot's license because at the time that was the requirement to fly drones commercially. So we actually went down there for two weeks, stayed in hotels and just went to flight school every day, all day until we got our licenses. And then now you, you don't need to, you don't need that anymore. So you said the team is you're onboarding maybe a sixth person. How many of these people are like capable of flying the drones themselves versus data analysts? And, and are they working simultaneously on the same project at the same time? Or the data analysts are, are you know processing the data right now mm -hmm. while the, the drone flyers are out there on the next project? Right. Is that how it works? So we, we do local processing, but a lot of it is done by a contractor, uh, individual person contractor that uses our uh, hardware in New York. So a lot of our data gets sent to him in New York and he does a lot of the data processing. Some of the more complex stuff I do, I've been using the software the longest. I've worked with the man, uh, the developer of the software. I know exactly how it works. So when something really, a real oddball you could say comes up, I'll usually do that processing. But to answer your question specifically, when it comes to um, everyone working on a project simultaneously, generally not generally not everyone is involved in every project two sets of eyes or more go on every equipment pack out every mission plan made in the software with the different parameters speed how high it's going to fly just to make sure there's always a second person blessing off on that uh, it's just part of the process um, but usually you have one to three people working on a project together is usually how it goes. Um, when we had to do an aircraft assessment in Spain, I did that. I went to Spain and, they, and there were guys back here doing different work. Um, when we uh, are doing a lot of volume calculation services with surveyors and, and, other, and other companies, we are, it's usually dry, you drive to a location, you fly it, you send the data to New York, you return back to the airfield, you demobilize your equipment. Um, what There's many things that go into that. And then you go home. And sometimes if you're, if it's a weird site, let's say the customer wants you to fly later in the day for whatever reason, uh, maybe after they close, then generally speaking, you'll pull in, you will literally pull in with the work truck, pull into the hangar, grab your personal belongings, get out, high five somebody and go home. And there's somebody there that's gonna unpack that vehicle, demobilize your equipment. And we have enough equipment to have multiple teams out simultaneously. Generators, tables, chairs, sunups. Dang. Um, it sounds like very much that you're working in the business, right? <laughs> like you always hear this term, like working in the business versus working on the business. Yeah. How much time do you get to spend, like focusing like on the business and the strategy and like the future growth versus like yeah. out flying drones? No, I believe it or not, I don't do much of the flying at all. Okay. I I, I like, what so. Well, let's just go there. Then. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's, let's talk about what does your day look like? Yeah, so... An, an, when are you waking up? When are you getting to work? What are you working on? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I would love to hear what your day looks like. Normal day, let's assume uh, there's not... Like today, I went to Okeechobee, but that was to audit a job my team's working on. I wasn't going to do any flying or anything like that. I wanted to be present. There was some stuff related to gopher tortoises. Long story, but <laughs> but I wanted to be... Oh, I'm interested. <laughs> oh but what no, about the no, gopher no, tortoises? No, but, Please but tell us. Normally, normally... I'll I'll get up uh, if I'm not going to do something like that. I'll usually get up somewhere around 7.30 to 8.30, just depending. Um, go to the hangar, get in the office, get everything going. Um, usually there's some something accounting related that I'm doing with our accountant. So, something, whether it's requests from a, a customer for some paperwork or something insurance related, whatever it may be. Um, and then I 
that's when the guys come in and it's time to have the meeting, the, the morning, stand around, drink coffee and look at the whiteboards. Uh, that's when whatever strategy was laid out the day prior at COB, close of business, which if not everyone's present, then that's blasted out, uh, either phone call, text, what have you. Um, and then I basically everyone goes off and starts working on whatever it is they need to work on. A lot of what I'll do during the day is I'm talking to a lot of vendors to bring New prices jobs. down on, okay. on, on all of my okay. different stuff or I'm ordering parts or I'm seeing what they can do for me for, um, you know, I'm evaluating this battery. So now I'm calling these different companies and seeing what kind of different, you know, uh, prices they can give me a lot of, a lot of being, being very conscious of what we have going out. Um, and then generally speaking, if I can throw something on LinkedIn, if I got time or I got a cool picture to share. Um, and then it's, a lot of data analysis and interfacing with the clients. So I do a lot of interfacing with the clients. Um, when the day wraps up, which is usually, eh, you know, 5.15 to seven, somewhere in there, um, it's time for me to go home, shower, start relaxing. I'm not married, I don't have kids. So um, I'm usually, you know, talking with some family at night. Um, and that's where I, you know, the lights get dimmed a bit and that's where I start going into strategy mode, if you will. I'm looking at all of the news sources related to my industry. I'm looking at the news sources for the industries in which I serve. I'm uh, looking at a lot of the, uh, you know, strategizing my company in terms of growth is one thing, but I also have to strategize the technology as well. Mm. So I have to look at who's using what technology, what new technology is coming out, um, what does what does the manufacturer say it does and how much money is it going to take for me to prove it does you know so there's a just a lot that goes into keeping up with the current technology keeping up with the current uh, trends how drones are being used assessing if whether or not that's something we want to get in, get into as a as a primary focus um and yeah Do think, does the equipment get outdated oh yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. even since 2017, have you had like a, an aircraft that are like is no longer relevant? Well, kinda... it's not going to ever be completely antiquated. Um, it, it, it's always Does it become have... like a toy? It becomes uh, too heavy considering what we can now do okay. with maybe new materials um, and cameras getting smaller. Um, maybe mm -hmm. it is, uh, it's got a, a, we tuned it, we tuned the autopilot to operate a certain way considering how much the aircraft weighed or the different types of uh, maneuvers or jobs, as I say, we were, we're trying to do. Um, and then we make some changes. We change the propellers. We change the weight. We make it lighter. How many drones have you crashed in your in my in my in entire business? in my business? Well, sure, your entire life, like yeah, well, well, <laughs> military career yeah, yeah, and yeah. business alone. Yeah, how, many, yeah. how many aircrafts have you just completely? My boom? my company, my company, since I started it, had one aircraft go down during testing of a new configuration, and it was a test in which we were very much not expecting that per se, but. We'll just say that instead of flying the normal camera we use, we took the weight of that camera and made uh, just a dummy weight mm -hmm. and put it on there because we knew that it was definitely possible. It went bad. We fixed it. <laughs> it went bad. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, you know, that's... But you know, funny enough, that's a great story. It's R and D. No, that's a that's a great story because that was on a Friday afternoon. There was something I wanted to show somebody on that next week. Um, of the old configuration, but I wanted to use that bird because we had other birds taken apart and the guys worked all weekend on it voluntarily. Mm. As in, I didn't ask them if they'd be willing to or whatnot. Basically it happened, we're assessing the damage and they just start speaking up, talking about what the plan has to be for the weekend to make this right by the following week. And that, that right there is what I love most about my business. It's the people. And people ask me all the time, you know, five guys, Okay, you're bringing on a sixth. Yeah, you got a CPA, that's great. But how do you manage? How do you do it? And I'm telling you, this these guys and the way they care about each other and how military-like the company is mm -hmm. in terms of caring for one another, um, operate communication, incredible communication amongst the team. There's, there's no assumptions ever made. And this is a culture that we have developed over time. And so... Somebody might look at something and say, well, how many people do you have? It's how efficient the people are for me and in, in what we do.
Yeah. And you would say that a lot of it's attributed to the military background. Oh, so absolutely. Discipline. And we, I mean, we say it, we said it all through my military career, adapt and overcome. Yeah. yeah just adapt and overcome. And we, funny enough, we said it today on a job. You have to adapt because so many th- wild things are going to be thrown at you. And then while you're adapting and trying to overcome those things, I also need you to fly a drone. <laughs> and the winds are really high right now and the lighting's not perfect. Um, but I just need you to do the best you can do. And you do that enough times, and now in a less than ideal timeline, getting gear together to go overseas to do a job, and you have to get all the uh, the the export paperwork in line, and you have to prepare the travel costs and, and get your gear ready and do some testing before that. And we have some guys on some other stuff, so you're not gonna have a whole lot of help, more or less just somebody making sure you did all the things you should. Are you like shipping this stuff like ahead of time? When you're going overseas, like do you ship it all ahead of time or is it stuff that you're like physically carrying with you? Okay. Both. Um, In many cases, we're taking it with us. In some cases, we send it ahead. Um, There's not a... There's not exactly a specific reason for that per se. Um, Generally speaking, if there's a lot of equipment and you only have one or two guys going, that's going to be shipped. But just um, having positive control over your equipment when you travel uh, outside of the the baggage handlers, um, just knowing that as soon as you get off the plane, you can open the box because we don't have necessarily somebody there waiting for us. So I can send it ahead, but it's not until we get to our destination completely that we know that something's not, something got broken transit. So you go to baggage claim, that equipment's coming down the belt, you pull it off and right there at baggage claim, you open it and you start assessing damage because it does happen even in nice Pelican cases with, you know, form fitting foam and I'm fascinated by all this. I could go all day. You have, what do you got? I know that client confidentiality is a huge part of, of yeah. what you guys do. Is is there another story similar to like the Brazilian pepper play that you can share just as a scope of, of you know, services that you've provided? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the Galapagos Islands is pretty cool. Uh, I went down there with a biologist that I'd done work, worked for in the past. Shout out to Merlin. And he'll, he'll be watching this for sure. Cool. Love that guy. Um, we, we had worked together before and I had been up to his location with his company developing search and rescue con ops where we're launching hand launching fixed wing surveillance aircraft from snowmobiles and identifying lost people in the mountains of northern pennsylvania and south new york um in the middle of winter that was fantastic Um, but him and i went down to the galapagos islands and we were working with um the Galapagos Science Center, the University of North Carolina, and the University 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 of San Francisco in Quito, and a few different government organizations. And it was the first government authorized flight of a drone on the islands. That was an incredible experience. I was mapping, um, or I was counting sea lions at night with thermal. I was. Do, making 3D models of sites on the mountain where uh, archaeologists are currently exploring, and they wanted a 3D model to assess for how they think things would have would have eroded over time. Um, and then we were doing. Uh, there was a social scientist from University of North Carolina, and we were flying over and mapping the the home slash apartments. I'm not sure what the correct term would be for what they call them, but almost like Brazil, very tightly close built wall to wall. And he was trying to use drone data to assess if looking at, if you could count windows, doors, and other things like of structures using drone data to determine approximately how many people would live in the dwelling. Hmm. So it's like, that was all one trip. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and invasive BlackBerry. We were using multispectral imaging to see if we could identify a unique feature using multispectral imagery to find invasive BlackBerry. So, what what do you nerd out most about, or what pumps you up most? <laughs> is it is it the science of the actual like flying and the strategy and the team there, or is it like the actual applications of it? I don't it know. Seems what, to be like an I don't know. Amount. I don't know which one excites me more. But when people say, you know, you should have fun at your job, you have fun. Don't get me wrong; it has its stress. Sure, I promise you, it has its stress. Um, when you're flying something and the motor quits working, 
one of the motors or or the motor if it's a single engine uh, fixed wing, um, it gets exciting quick. Um, but usually where the excitement and adventure comes in, it's the traveling. It's you got this group of guys, or maybe you're by yourself. So you say it gets exciting quick. Is that are you talking like that's the most stressful part? Like when a motor stops or like what, what's the most stressful part that when you start having aircraft malfunctions in flight, I would okay. say that that and just, you know, every now and then logistically something just gets incredibly frustrating. Um, maybe it'd be, you know, you're trying to get some paperwork and you're talking to the office. They're not really cooperating with you because gotcha. they have, you know, they're too busy or what have you. Um, so trying to make things ha- when a customer asks us if we can do something and we agree to it, even if they're telling us, listen, I know this is like probably not even possible but will you try we say yes but then we <laughs> that's like an entrepreneur to the core like like we say yes but can you do this oh yeah no problem i yeah, got that yeah yeah I, I, no worries but 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 when we say yes it's not under the premise that they presented which is you know i know this is unlikely to be possible but we accept that we we accept what they say. But really, what we're saying internally is okay. Challenge accepted. Right. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. Like we're gonna figure this out. I don't know. One hundred percent how. But has there been a challenge you couldn't like? We've never it, missed a deadline. And never. if I ever gave a customer a budget, we never never went over it. Dang. Okay. Never. Not once. Customers comment below and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and you said the most exciting part is the traveling, uh, the, the different jobs. And it's, it, yeah, and it's not so much the the traditional sense of traveling where it's like, oh, I'm on an airplane, I'm eating new food. That's all well. That's a that's a huge benefit of traveling, especially internationally. But um, you know, the stories I have about running, uh, the stories I have of one of my guys taking a motorcycle going crazy fast to Miami to meet me in a parking garage, throw batteries into a case and me run profusely sweating to the terminal or to the gate while they're like about to shut the door. And then, you know, we get on the plane and that's great. But now we're on our way to South America. We don't know if the battery, the other batteries that we shipped are going to make it because we got to notice that they might be lost. It's like, but we're in all this money to go to South America. So anyways, it's just, it's... You need a TV show, bro. <laughs> There's like, what, you know, like those like fishing shows and stuff. Right. And like, I mean, that's fascinating. This is fascinating. I, I, like, want, I want to see the motorcycle rushing to Justin, getting the batteries, getting yeah, Doug, like, Doug, <laughs> Doug. I, li- I literally called him. He was in the office and I said, I need you to grab all those batteries sitting over on the one in the, we keep them in ammo cans because they're kind of, they can be dangerous. And, uh, and I'm like, you need to get here. He looked it up on his phone and basically the time it was going to take him without stopping to go from Gainesville to Miami airport with no stops was going to put him there. I think like 15 minutes before our boarding time <laughs> and he got there and he, I, I literally, literally he gets there. He jumps off his motorcycle. He, he opens his saddlebags. We just open these cases, start throwing these batteries and slam it shut, like standing on it, like probably thinking we probably broke stuff. And then Merlin and I, cause I'm working we're, we're, we were working with his company. We're, we're running, running through the airport and it was rough, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> it was rough, but I mean, I have so many stories like that of us, of things happening like that. Like this team, these guys, like we've, we've traveled all over the place and we've, you know, yeah, dude. you know, yeah. Like after hurricane Michael, we helped out up in the panhandle, uh, to help them restore power. So we were mm-hmm. mapping the damage so they could get FEMA reimbursement, but also do forensics, identify where the, you know, start to understand where were the failure points. So for those winds coming from that direction or what have you, where, what were the most things that failed? Cause otherwise they're just going through there and cleaning up, putting up new poles. So we were doing that. And you know, me and one of the guys, Boris, we, we didn't have a choice. We had to drive every day. Up into up to Dothan, Alabama, and stay in a hotel room together, and you know him and I are eating like spam single slices oh, in the truck, and we're just like running to Jacksonville uh. each day to get food because that was like the nearest place we could go. So we like every few days, like every two or three days, we drive somewhere that had a grocery store, and we just grab like tuna pouches and all kinds of stuff, and just throw it in there, and we were good to go, good to go. It's wild. <laughs> All right, so we got to wrap up in a minute. But like, <laughs> I mean, dude, I don't even. 
I don't even know where to go. From. <laughs> what, what continents have you not been to? Was it Africa and Antarctica? Okay, that's the two okay. I would have guessed. So, so do you look for opportunities there just to go ahead and seal the deal? Uh, no. no. But funny yeah. enough, no. I think it would be uh, fantastic. I've supported people that are that were flying in Africa, um, and uh, Antarctica would be fantastic. But uh, maybe one day. All right. There's, there's got to be no shortage of applications there, but yeah, absolutely. Hire, and like I, I said, we're operational experts. We are not camera gurus. We are very good at taking that camera, finding a way to get it in the air in a manner that you need. You know, you need to get take off from a boat. We'll figure. We're going to figure out the safest, most effective way to do that. Yeah. So what? So what does the future look like for you guys? The future for us um, is. Some big decisions are going to be made here soon. I would say probably in um, late November, early December, there's some things on our plate, if you will, in terms of decision making, which the whole team's involved in. Um, and I don't, don't want to share all of it, but what I will say is we, we're debt free. We owe nothing to anyone. Everything we own is outright. Um, and we are in a position where with more or less the decision being made where we could really take this thing to the next level in terms of capabilities, getting involved with some, some, some specific sensor technology that we hadn't been able to afford up until recently, um, some new personnel, um, and maybe even in a couple new services or two that we've been working on. So cool, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, we're really excited about the new aircraft that we've developed, 40 minute flight time at 2000 feet density altitude, which is fantastic for us. That's with a camera, Not you know, some people get tricky with it. Um, and that's gonna change the game services side and, and show some things to some people on the, con uh, on the consulting side. Okay. To, uh, yeah, I have more you're, questions. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I feel bad because I feel like, like sometimes K. I just take over. Like, okay, uh, next. <laughs> uh, so I got two quick questions. Okay. Hey, what's the coolest place you've been to? Coolest place I've been to... Spain. Okay, Spain. Uh, and what's it cost to rent an airplane hangar? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Networking is good. Networking <laughs> is good. Access to the airfield and, you know, trips every now and then in a plane just for fun around the Swanee. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to tell me what it costs to rent one? No, 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 no. no it, Maybe off. It, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be nearly as much as you think. Okay. Not, and it's not very, it's not huge. It's made for a few, two or three smaller airplanes. Sure. We got a you know, climate controlled office in there. Uh, I'd have to double check, probably around uh, 25, 3,000. Okay. Not, not, not big. Cool. That's neat, man. It's been super fascinating. <laughs> like, I absolutely love it. I had a great time, and uh, that this thing is super interesting. I'm going to be really excited to kind of see, you know, what what the future holds for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah for it, sure. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me, man. This has been awesome, and I've I've been, you know, I've Would spoken you, with you since you when you were starting this, and I was just yeah, like, man, know, this thing is awesome. And I showed a colleague, and he said, man, the energy on that thing is fantastic. And I actually think you gave me some some advice, right? Like you you had said some feedback that was like, yo, you need to make sure that you, you know, because do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Uh, not a lot, a few that I really like. Okay. So. Because there were you, was, maybe it wasn't you, but somebody was like, man, you know, uh, pay attention to like maybe unfolding certain things that the audience might not know. I was think I do. I think I do, do you recall, recall that. that. It, was okay. more, it was more towards the beginning. I feel like it was you, ones. but maybe, but maybe but, not. But, but either way, we, we spoke quite a bit about it and we were like one day, one day, one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that—that's actually how we connected, right? Yeah, you had, that's you exactly had correct. Literally messaged me on LinkedIn saying, "Hey, I, I'm listening to your podcast," and and then we just stayed connected. Yeah, yeah. There. You started seeing my post. I was two and a half years later. Stuff, hey, right? man, you're yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was towards the beginning for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we were in my garage, spare bedroom at home. It's kind of cool to see where this thing has kind of come after two and a half years. Absolutely, right? it's it's been cool. You're you're it's I'm kind of shadowing this effort you've got going on. So it's been exciting for me to watch you. I hope you enjoy seeing what we put online yeah, and what dude, we got going it. on. So cool. and one of these days, would you let Mike and I fly? I was your just drones? about to say <laughs> when we get done here, let's talk about. It. I'll set up a time, have you guys out and fly a couple things. That'd be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I'm so scared. No, don't pressure, no, Colin. No. Hey man, gyro stabilized. Like, You're good. Dare that on man second. No, we, <laughs> we, we we literally have a couple or a few small quads 
there. Uh, so you wouldn't give us the real expensive stuff. I'll let you fly one of the big ones once you fly the small one. <laughs> baby steps, man. Baby. Crawl, walk, uh, run, baby. Colin. Uh, baby steps, baby steps. Uh, this, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm more totally, than happy to I'll have totally you come out. There. Cool. I'll totally come out there. Well, there you go, guys. Like Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Dude, this I appreciate was, was a it. a lot of fun. Uh, you know, special thanks to all the sponsors that continue to make the show possible. You know, if you want to connect with the sponsors, I've said it multiple times, but definitely go to whoagnv.com forward slash sponsors and it has all the links to everybody who's ever supported this show. Um, we can't do it without them. And of course, thank you to James Leitner, James Leitner, Sarah Lentz, too many L's, Leitner and Lentz. It's kind of, kind of got a good rhythm though. And Michael D's, Allison Mucherino, and uh, appreciate all you guys for all your help. Yeah, man. This Always the, a pleasure. This Always is the WHOA GMV Podcast, the podcast for you businesses and individuals that make you go. He's like, I don't Whoa. know. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I might have somewhere else. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>